uh, I have no doubt that collaborative efforts and commitment to social and economic change that start with us as an industry, all of us in the industry, could vastly change the lives of millions across the country. Welcome to Buzz House, a Bakertilly podcast where you can find all the buzz around multifamily housing. I'm Don Bernards, the partner in charge of Bakertilly's multifamily housing practice. And I'm Garrett Gibson, a partner at Baker Tilly, also specializing in consulting on multifamily housing transactions across the country. Each week, we'll bring you a guest or a topic in the multifamily housing industry that will help you win now and anticipate tomorrow. Let's get started. Today, our guest in the Buzz House is Flynn Janice, the Executive Director for Rainbow Housing Assistance Corporation. We'll be talking with Flynn today about service-enriched housing programs and how these services improve overall communities that you're owning and operating. Looking forward to that discussion. Before having this discussion with Flynn, we want to give you a few updates from around the industry. Earlier this month, now President uh, Biden announced his American Rescue Plan. It is a very ambitious $1.9 trillion plan around providing supports for people and communities, of course, struggling due to the pandemic. The plan would provide uh, items such as an additional $25 billion emergency rental relief. Again, that's in addition to the current $25 billion that came out in the December 27th program, uh, $5 billion in homeless assistance. This could be used for things like purchasing and converting closed hotels into permanent housing and other innovative ideas. Plan also calls on Congress to extend the eviction and foreclosure moratoriums, which we know is out there in the next uh, looming date is January 31st. Uh, switching uh, to another topic, HUD recently announced the availability of $150 million in grants under the Section 202 Supportive Housing and Elderly Program. Grants, of course, will include capital advances to support new affordable housing development activities and provide ongoing rental assistance contracts for properties for low-income seniors 62 years and older. Applications are due on May 26th of this year, and HUD will be hosting a webinar to provide an overview of funding opportunities and answering questions. Next, the Internal Revenue Service issued long-awaited guidance under Notice 2021-12 to extend the housing credit program deadlines and other flexibilities in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Among these items, new guidance provides extensions until September 30th, 2021 for 10% tests that had previously been through December 31st, but again, nine month extension to September 30th. There's also through September 30th, uh, guidance also offers a moratorium on compliance monitoring. We can provide a link to this notice on our bus house site as there's other items that you want to refer to. Another recent notice, HUD issued notice 2021-07, affecting public housing authorities for uh, repositioning their portfolios. Very exciting notice, and we're actually going to have another upcoming uh, BuzzHouse podcast uh, around some public housing notices, including this notice. Many of you might be familiar with the 7525 RAD Section 18 blend, where you can get up to 25% of your units uh, rents at with tenant protection vouch- vouchers uh, up to the fair market rents, which in many cases are significantly higher than RAD rents. This now will allow us for a 60-40 blend. So 25% increasing up to 40%, which of course, again, provides more uh, rental income, allowing you to get uh, perhaps higher debt, maybe cover service expenses. We're talking about services today. So just more income into your project to provide a lot more flexibility to help with your repositioning of your public housing. Again, we're gonna have another upcoming podcast uh, discussing this. One last item, there are bills in both uh, Iowa and Indiana to create a state local housing tax credit, 
We've seen that uh, as a trend. Obviously, states having budget issues uh, through the pandemic, but very good to see Iowa and Indiana uh, considering a state low-income housing tax credit. We, of course, monitor this and keep you up to date on uh, updates in these two states. So yeah, a lot of good uh, uh, progressive uh, things with housing. And I think many people in the industry uh, with with the Biden plan and so forth expect to see many more programs and, and enhancements for housing programs over the next you know couple of years. With that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Garrick, who will jump into our discussion with Flynn. Thanks, Don. And as always, you always have great things to discuss at the beginning of a call. There's a lot of things going on in the industry, and we're really excited about it. But actually, I'm even more excited right now because we have Flynn on our podcast. I actually have worked with Flynn on many occasions in the past. I'm looking forward to our discussion. But first, I want to allow Flynn to go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, describe kind of what her role is with Ramo Housing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, enjoying the podcast already and the many benefits you guys have brought to all of us in the industry. So I am Flynn Janice Flynn for short. I'm the executive director of Rainbow Housing Assistance Corporation. We're a national not-for-profit organization that provides tenant-based services across the country. We're currently represented in 15 states, serving a little over 45,000 individuals and families in the low-income affordable housing market, providing really value-based programs and services that support the social and economic advancement of those individuals we serve. I've been in the industry, started very young at the age of 17, put myself through college, and so uh, without exposing the math, I've been in the business about 36 years. So honored to be here, honored to be in housing, uh, specifically honored to be in affordable housing, and thank you so very much for the opportunity today. Well, we appreciate you being here, and I'm sure our audience will get a lot out of this discussion. So let's just dive in. So Flynn, what are social services or why are social services an important part of affordable housing in your view? So, so many reasons. But the tenant population for which affordable housing was designed to serve is very complex. Many times I share that we have a program that by design is somewhat broken. We ask the most financially vulnerable populations to come and live with us in affordable housing, and then when they are challenged to perform, we move to evict them, creating turnover costs that can be exorbitant. As a stabilized tenant base, uh, we can improve the financial performance of an asset. Tenant behaviors, both social and economic, act as a catalyst in driving operating income and expenses. So managing the population by infusing a social service program can and frankly will enhance behaviors that drive value-based living and can further advance the social and economic contributors to a community development and the tenant's personal financial position. So with that, the supporting of a positive economic benefit to the community as well as creating resident retention through the provision of programs and services that effectively stabilize the lives of those living in the communities is a benefit that's multiple folds. Uh, thanks for that. And so in, in what kind of services are we really talking about? And given those services, where do you see the biggest need for these? In every community that has turnover, uh, in communities where there's job loss or limited resources to advance education, employment skills, or a limited wage that doesn't transfer to what is a livable wage, which is far different than minimal wage. 
where there's high crime, mental health barriers, uh, single parent households, which is what we predominantly see in affordable housing, populations that need employment uh, and career pathways. The affordable housing industry holds poverty and opportunity in the palm of its hands. We can be and we should be the resolve to homelessness and the platform for recovery and resilience in the livelihood of the less fortunate. Uh, I have no doubt that collaborative efforts and commitment to social and economic change that start with us as an industry, all of us in the industry, could vastly change the lives of millions across the country. And if we could just let that kind of sit in for a moment, we could change the lives of millions across the country utilizing housing as a platform. We're part of the solution. Uh, And how amazing is that? The programs and services range from GED classes to English as a second language. Financial literacy is a core component of that. Job readiness, employment skill development, workforce and career pathways, health and nutrition, community gardens. You know, I certainly could get on my soapbox and talk for hours and hours and hours about all the various programs and services that we provide, but they're really tailored to each and every community. We go into a community, we get in the trenches, we we do the door knocking. This is a part that I'm really passionate about with every community and contract we go into. And we come face to face with the populations and we ask them, What do you need and what do you want to advance your life skills and become a valued member of society as a whole, but certainly in this community that we're currently serving? Wow, that's 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 definitely inspiring there. I wish you could just say it over again. I'll I'll listen to it one more time. A lot of audience members who, you know, who I think would, would appreciate this information you're giving. We have a lot of developers uh, that, that listen in on this podcast, too. So given the fact that this is sort of a combination with the housing component. So what what should developers actually consider if they're thinking about, you know, implementing a social services kind of program within their projects? It starts with being an advocate. Advocate, 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 advocate for preservation and the development of affordable housing in every city and every state. Get politically engaged or align yourself with someone politically engaged to sustain affordable housing. Dedicate financial resources to support the stabilization of tenant populations with an understanding that one life event can devastate those that qualify to live in affordable housing not just for a week, for months. With the organizations such as Isuzu, if you haven't heard of them, Google them and look them up. Uh, They're at the forefront of our industry. They focus on creating pathways for establishing credit and approving the financial position of an individual or family by building credit, repairing credit, and preventing eviction. Couple that with social service programs that teach financial literacy and provide educational workforce development through sourcing employment and linkage to career pathways. Something that came to me a couple of years ago and now is really relevant in almost every team meeting we have and every organization we support and engage with is the phrase, invest in what sustains you. As an industry of developers and investors, we should invest in what sustains us. And our industry is sustained by the tenant populations who can responsibly be retained with residency, socially, and financially. 
invest in what sustains you. That's great. That, that, that is definitely great. So, you know, and, and Flynn, I know, I know rainbow has been around for a while now and, and have been integrated in a lot of projects throughout, throughout the United States. And then you, you span out across, you know, East, West coast, even in, in the South. So is there actually data to support that social services have had like a direct positive financial impact on the projects that you've worked on? Absolutely. The data is endless uh, and the data runs the gamut of social and economic data points. Many aspects of tenant-based services are not tangible as they support the layers upon layers of emergency needs and and very deeply rooted barriers to self-sufficiency. Although some of the most relevant are the cost savings associated with vacancy loss, bad debt, reduced turnover, uh, eviction and legal costs, security, marketing, the list goes on. Statistics differ by community, by size and geographic area, although they largely impact many common line items in the budget. When a tenant population is stabilized, the turnover costs for reletting and maintenance can be dramatically reduced. Creating value in the community can reduce a criminal element, vandalism, and improve the resident retention. A simple example would be one eviction uh, can equate to over $2,500 in legal fees. So savings in vacancy, maintenance turnover, and the expenses associated with reletting costs. If a social service program could save even two residents per month, that would equate to $60,000 a year in savings. And that doesn't even take into account the implementation of a youth enrichment program that has statistically been proven to minimize vandalism and the reduction of security costs in a population that values their home and their community. Well, I think that, it, you know, our listeners, this is valuable information though. I mean, a lot of, uh, of what people are doing, you know, to try to streamline projects, especially given the light of, of COVID instance we're in, we're looking at the OPEX and, and, and trying to figure out, well, what can we do here? And you just pointed out many examples of where social services tied to, you know, reletting and eviction and, and how that can reduce costs. That was great. Thank you for that. And, and given given COVID, obviously we're we're in this pandemic here. How are social services being impacted by by the COVID pandemic? You can't speak to COVID without it being somewhat sombering. But uh, many social service providers were not able to continue services without compromise to their team's health and subsequently the health of residents. The nature of social services is to engage with residents in a one-on-one way to be able to support them, guide them, mentor them, and move them to self-sufficiency. So COVID was compromising across the board nationally. Rainbow was very fortunate to have a robust web-based program model that we were easily able to pivot to and offer uninterrupted programs and services. Our technology-based programming allowed us to continue to provide education and employment services, along with enhanced pieces around health and wellness support. So we expanded our school-age youth tutoring and linkage to mental health resources while sustaining our core programming that included GED classes, English as a second language, health and nutrition, again, financial literacy, employment, and, and so much more. Following and abiding the CDC recommendations has allowed service providers to adjust to small group settings and programming and focus on time management for one-on-one services by phone or by email. 
Rainbow is fortunate that we have a national call center, which reaches over 40,000 residents monthly. And in that national call center, we have trained Rainbow resident service coordinators that are connecting with the tenant population one-on-one and providing direct services across the country. The focus for the industry, given the pandemic and what potentially is going to change the world and how we focus and provide services going forward, is for the industry to move to internet access for all across the board and bridge the technology gap as a key platform for continuing to reach and serve communities and foster relationships with the tenant population that drive social and economic advancement. Wow, thanks. I mean, that's such a, 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 you know, sort of a modernization way to look at it. That's that's interesting. You know, and Flynn, I think, uh, you know, Don has another, he, so he wanted to ask a couple of questions too. Yeah, no, Flynn, I mean, this has been inspirational and just a lot of good data as well. So thank you for that. Just, we talked a lot about obviously what Rainbow is doing on the service side. What other services are you kind of, you know, bringing, bringing to the industry, bringing to developments? Are you doing things around compliance or other types of types of services? We are. Um, So many times we serve as a general partner, supporting the compliance obligations of an asset and where possible securing real estate tax exemption across the country. So in those relationships, we offer asset management support, react, HUD inspection preparations and material participation as a not for profit ownership interest in the overall operations to again, foster and create the preservation affordable housing for all. We're a core certified organization through the Healthy Housing Program with Fannie Mae that allows for owners and investors to have interest savings where social programs are part of the financial commitment and structuring of a deal. Uh, We're proud of our reputation with city, state and federal compliance authorities, as well as the integrity in our national collaborations and partnerships across the country. Thank you. This is really, really good information. Again, as Garrick said, we really hadn't touched on social services and how impactful, obviously, just from the tenants and the operations of multifaceted. So I really want to thank Flynn for her time and remarks. Again, many being inspirational uh, remarks and, um, and listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to BuzzHouse. To receive a notification when new episodes are available, please subscribe to BuzzHouse, a Bakatilly podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For additional resources around multifamily housing, check out bakertilly.com. And if you have a suggested topic, please send them to build at bakertilly.com. That's B-U-I-L-D at bakertilly.com.